Coming to you from the HagmanReport.com studio. Located in the Keystone State, birthplace of a mighty nation, it's your host, Doug Hagman. And welcome to the Hagman Report, where truth can't be silenced. I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in yesterday and spreading that program yesterday. And of course, yesterday we spoke about the coronavirus. I had uh, Paul Cottrell on the show. What a what a fantastic presentation! I thought. And what'd you think? Judging by the comments that, that I saw and the emails I received, uh, very well received information. Very well received. So again, thank you so much for that. You know, it, it's it's something to to look at, and and here's how I look at the coronavirus, and I hope everyone understands where I'm coming from. All right. Um. Sometimes things that that are that take place, or the things that are done, the consequences are a little bit murky. The intended consequences and the unintended consequences. And when you've got a situation, for example, like we saw, like we're seeing with the coronavirus, in my view, you've got to look at this as the only way I know how to do it. And that's from a detective or an investigative standpoint. And when you've got this, these, everything happening, this massive um, pandemic-like situation taking place, when I, when, I, when I get an investigation, especially a cold case investigation, in other words, um, not there when, you know, not, not the initial response, but at some subsequent time later, I like to just go back and wipe the slate clean and look at it with my eyes, un, or not influenced by any other investigator. And I know that this is the tactic, for example, of many behavioral analysts at the FBI. And it's worked for them. So in other words, or when you're looking at a serial killer, by definition, anyone who's killed three or more, some say two or more, but three or more individuals. You go back to the original killing. That tells you, you've got to identify the original killing. All right, because what you think could have been the first kill might not have been the first kill. So you have to go back to the original uh, murder, and then from there work, you know, advance the investigation. So that's why I look at the coronavirus. I don't know if that makes sense to you, and if it does, great. Let me know. I I, I read your feedback. I read your comments it, 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 on YouTube anyway. Um, so that's one of the things that that. I'm looking at this specific virus, and yes, it, it it's there's no question at this point that this is a man-made or synthetic virus. There's a question about motive. There's a question about when it was this done to to advance vaccines, and uh, was this done for population control? Was this done for another reason, uh, perhaps to uh, introduce into the population to handle, or as as a as a, um, a method, one method of 
perhaps controlling uprising uprisings in China. So again, you know, it's and none of those are mutually exclusive, correct? So and this is all original material. And and I've I've been talking with physicians, medical doctors, infectious disease physicians who don't want to come on the radio. Who don't want their voice recorded. I, I offered to record a, a telephone conversation. I said, you know, do you just want to you just want to give your thoughts? No, no, no. No, no. You know. And, and I understand that. So I'm giving you kind of the the benefit of my investigation because I don't sit here and just read open source information. I uh, it's just not not me. I like to pick up the phone and make phone calls and say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Or can you tell me more? Given the fact that this, for example, with the in the case of the infectious disease uh, physician, this is in his ballpark. I mean, this is what he does. So that's the coronavirus or COVID-19 as it's known today. That's uh, that's my approach to this. Again, this is not regurgitating just open source information. Other people, uh, it's doing what uh, Paul Cottrell does, digs deep in there with research, talking to people, talking to doctors. That's that's the way I do things. Um, but oh, by the way, you know, I saw a video, and I, I don't remember where it was, uh, or a picture, maybe. and I think it was a picture of a Lysol can with coronavirus on there, okay? And people are saying, see, this is planned, or how could that, how could that coronavirus, how could Lysol kill coronavirus so quickly? It just happened. No, no, folks, coronavirus, that term was developed back in the 60s. I'm not sure which year. It was, uh, so that, that, focuses on a number of uh, respiratory viruses. Now, my terminology may not be 100% correct there, but if you think, because you've, you've discovered this, the fact that Lysol or whatever brand of disinfectant kills the coronavirus, and you're wondering, well, how did that get there so quickly? I can't help you. I mean, if that really? I mean, if... if <laughs> and I see people responding to it, oh my gosh, it's a massive conspiracy. No, 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 no. I mean, come on. So, it, you know, we have to look at this with, uh, uh, with a little bit of attendant knowledge, I think. I, I can't, if you're, if you're at that level, if people are at that level, I can't help you. I just, I just can't help you. Hey, oh, man. Got a uh, packed hour lined up for you. And the second hour is going to be Stan Dale as usual. Stan Dale coming in every Tuesday. God bless that man. 75, right? Celebrating his birthday last week. What a great, uh, what a great guy he is. Some things I'm going to be looking at, of course, the heads, the leftist heads that exploded. I didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday because of Paul Cottrell coming up. But oh, the heads that exploded over Donald Trump his appearance at the, the, the taking the beast around the lapping of the Daytona 500, the, the low flying. The, did you see that? And then gentlemen, start your engines. He's the second president to do that. George W. Bush did that. I think it was 04 maybe in that vicinity. And of course, Donald Trump was the second one to do that. But the leftist backlash against the attendees at NASCAR, man, you don't, you know what you don't do? You don't, you just don't 
um, offend NASCAR enthusiasts. You just don't do that. First of all, it's not nice. Shame on you. Second of all, you talk about Americana. You talk about really the heart and soul of America, of America. Mom, apple pie, NASCAR, God and country, guns, the Bible. I threw in NASCAR, obviously, but you get the idea. It's it's the equivalent of of uh, oh the deplorables and the smelly uh, smelly Walmart uh, uh, shoppers. I mean, come on, really. Talk about disdain. I mean, to me, that's just ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, uh, one thing I want to mention, and I'm so proud to have Policy Genius. Uh, Policy Genius, uh, have, you, have you heard about Policy Genius, folks? I'm going to tell you something. You know, I've often said this year, 2020, it shows up a lot in science fiction. And a lot of people predicted that by now. We'd be like the Jetsons, teleporting to work or living on Mars or, you know, you've seen, I'm sure the programs back in the 50s and 60s saying, oh, 2020 will be, yeah, didn't happen, right? A lot of those predictions were wrong. The truth is we're we're always going to get elements of the future wrong, which is why we need to get life insurance right. And I mean, by, by right, I mean exactly right. Believe me, I've been around enough deaths in my family to know that life insurance is critically important. And I would urge all of my listeners to write this down, policygenius.com. Policy Genius can help you get the future right. They make finding the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. And once you apply, Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. I mean, if you care about it, let me tell you something. If you care about it, you can insure it. It's it's, it's a It's great. I'm telling you, Policy Genius is fantastic. You can find the right home and auto insurance, disability insurance, you name it, you can do it. So if your science fiction dreams for 2020 still haven't become science fact, don't get discouraged. Get life insurance. It takes just a few minutes to find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. Policy Genius. They're always, always get the future wrong. I mean, we're always going to get the future wrong, right? We, we All of us plan today and God laughs, right? But policy genius, policy genius, you better get life insurance right. Policygenius.com. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, my family, we're customers of Policy Genius, cannot recommend it higher than, I mean, I, we recommend it very highly. All right. So I want to start off with kind of a funny um, video clip because we, we've had a lot of really tense days here, haven't we? Talking about the coronavirus, talking about things that you know may or may not. Uh, I mean, t- t- you talk about the, the democratic left Marxist. I should say Marxist communist left, not democratic left. You talk about their ticket. You, you look at what Bloomberg's doing. You look at the gun grab. There's a lot of things going on to concern us. But you got to see this video. I was talking about NASCAR earlier. You got to see this video. I, I know you've seen probably the flyover. I know you've probably seen the lap, 
But there was one guy, and this was on Twitter. There's one guy in the control room. Did you see this, folks? Now, I'm going to warn you. If you have little children in the room, a couple of bad words here. I think it might, it might be the same word repeated twice. So get the children out. I wasn't going to edit it for the bad word, the S word. Um, but just take a look at this and take a look at the enthusiasm and ask yourself, does this not capture the enthusiasm behind not just the sport of NASCAR, but, but, and believe me, I'm not really a NASCAR fan. I, I've never been to NASCAR at all. I, I've driven by the Daytona racetrack in Daytona beach. I've been there. I mean, not to watch a race, but I've been down there. And I've flown over it, actually, in a, in a private aircraft. This is a number of years ago. But watch this and, t and tell me if this doesn't encapsulate the, uh, just the fun, but the excitement behind this president. Go ahead and play this. President's pacing the field at Daytona, baby! The Daytona 500 is about to happen, and the president is pacing the field for the first time in history. I love this shit. This is freaking awesome. The president's at the Daytona 500. He gave the command to start the engine. He's out there in his big beast Cadillac pacing the damn field. Oh, shit. All right. Now, now, look, I understand there's language issues there. Don't send me emails saying, how could you play that? You know, no, no. I was going for, you got to love that. You got to love that. That's the excitement behind this president. That's what you see at the rallies, isn't it? That's what you see in, in the blocks, long lines of people waiting to see this president. Why is that? Because he can relate to the common man. That guy, I stipulate. I suggest, I submit to you, is the common guy. That's you and me, in a way. And if you don't swear, say, oh, okay. But isn't, that, isn't that us? Isn't that the normal guy? D doesn't he reflect what we, we feel? I mean, eh, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. All right. I, I mean, magnificent, magnificent display. All right. I want to get into something real quick here before I get into, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the tarmac meeting. That's in the news, back in the news. Remember that infamous tarmac meeting between William Jefferson Clinton and Loretta Lynch? Well, that's back in the news. And then Lou Dobbs comes out and uh, uh, gives some really good words for, uh, uh, for conservative treehouse. But there's something that he talked about that's really important about the deep state. I'm, I'm, that's coming up, as well as um, the uh, the attendant information from that. But before we get into that, Daniel Horowitz from the from uh, Conservative Review mentions that uh, this talks about the ultimate two tiered system of justice in sanctuary cities: one for Americans and one for illegal aliens. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a two tiered justice system everywhere, aren't we? We're seeing the justice for, you know, the deep state members and then the justice for the rest of us. The justice for, well, I don't know, McCabe lying three times under oath, four times in total with three under oath, perjury, not charged. Roger Stone allegedly, reportedly lied in, what, seven to nine years? 
and oh yes, Donald Trump, by the way, saying, you know, if I wasn't president, I'd be suing everyone, and I'm paraphrasing, everyone that walks. It's funny because Steve Quayle and I had this very same conversation a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. We are going to be doing that. Just wait. It's interesting how people say, oh, you know, you're not going to sue me. You're a coward and a liar. You're not going to sue me. It's coming. But that aside, the, the two-tiered system of justice, the, and as Horowitz describes, one for Americans and one for illegal aliens, consider this, the illegal alien that was acquitted of the murder of Kate Steinle, remember that? Ruled incompetent to stand trial on federal firearms charges. You know, we, we talk about the two-tier justice system, about uh, Roger Stone. There's another one, as Horowitz points out. Deep state versus everyone else, you know, the, the political elite versus everyone else. And now it's the sanctuary cities, the justice system for Americans, and then for the illegals. And specifically in cities like San Francisco. And... Ask Daniel Horowitz, can, the, can victims of illegal aliens, aliens ever obtain justice if the trial occurs in the sanctuary city? You know, I, I, think, to, um, I think to the Angel families and uh, AVIAC families we've had on. Hmm. Well, that's the question that we need to be asking after Jose Garcia Zarate, the, the guy who shot Kate Stanley on that San Francisco pier back in 2015, he caught another break, of course. For the parents of Kate Steinle, the hits just keep on coming, they keep on coming, and they keep on coming. First, in December of 2017, a San Francisco jury acquitted this mope of all murder charges. Remember that? including manslaughter. And that, that was, of course, related to the July 1st, 2015 killing of Kate Steinle. Now, he's the illegal from Mexico who was deported not once, not twice, not three times, not four, but five flippin' times. That's right, deported five times. And made it back to the United States. And then he was released from San, uh, a uh, San Francisco jail two and a half months before. And there was no notification made. There was no notification made whatsoever to the Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. He, he remained in this country despite seven felony convictions. So I guess I guess all we need to do is just claim or uh, what uh, identify as the illegal aliens. I guess we can do that now, right? And we get a we get a get out of jail free card. But he remained in the United States despite seven felony convictions. Then when his family sued, or her family, or I'm sorry, when the family of Kate Steinle sued the city of San Francisco and the former and former sheriff. Um, in that in that county for negligence. You got the Ninth Circuit Court stepping in 
and rebuffing that claim. Seriously. Now, last August, a state appeals court threw out the only remaining state charges. And back in 2015, the same jury that acquitted this mope again of manslaughter also convicted him um, of felony gun charges. But then the state appeals court, what that would happen there, they overturned those charges despite his admissions, despite this guy's admissions. And he, you got to listen to this. It's undisputed that the defendant was holding the gun when it fired. I'm going to read that sentence to you again. It's undisputed that the defendant was holding the gun when it fired. You guys see what's wrong with that, right? Yeah, I was holding, officer, I was holding the gun. I was holding the gun when it fired. No, no, you pulled the flipping trigger. How, how can, okay. To possess the gun, to possess the gun, the defendant had to know he was holding it. This according to the illustrious judge, her honor, Sandra Margulius. Now, this, she's part of the three-panel judge ruling that the trial judge aired in his instruction to the jury, in uh, his instructions to the jury. Anyway, the, here's the bottom line. The, the, federal, uh, the federal government came in and charged this, again, this MOPA, uh, this illegal alien on federal vire, firearms violations in 2017. He was indicted by a grand jury for being both a felon and a legal alien in possession of a firearm, both of which are federal crimes. It was a 40 caliber SIG, by the way, SIG Sauer P239. You know, that's a little bit above my uh, budget. Have you priced SIGs? Anyway. Of course, you didn't have to worry about that because that was stolen. That, that gun was stolen from a U.S. Bureau of Land Management agent's car. But uh, last week... The U.S. District Judge Vince Ch 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 Chabria, the reason I said it, it's got C-H-H, uh, an Obama appointee ruled that Zarate is not mentally competent to stand trial. Yeah. All right. You see my disdain right now? Again, two two tier system of justice, and and I, I I do. If you haven't caught the President Trump's tweets, talking about Roger Stone and talking about the deep state and the lack of prosecution, man, I would urge you to 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 obviously follow his tweets, but but look on look them up and and understand. There's a level of frustration there with President Trump saying, you know, if I wasn't president, I'd be suing all of these people. In fact, Fox Fox and Friends had a little clip. Um, or a little report on this, on his tweet uh, thread about this. Because what we're not, we're not seeing right now, we're not currently seeing justice with respect to McCabe. And I know people are out there saying, wait, McCabe, we're going to let him slide on the lesser charges. And what we're really doing, now hold on now, because what we're really doing is, is we're giving him a pass on the, on the, on the perjury because we're going after him for the bigger stuff. Now, 
let me ask you, if, if you've ever been in the court system, if you, whether it's as a defendant or as part of the prosecution or as a spectator or on a jury or a grand jury or a judge or an attorney, I'm going to ask you something. Does that make sense to you? No. Thank you. Thank you. Gentlemen in the third row, blue sweater. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense, and here's why. <clears throat> in, a, in, a, in a prosecution of us normal folk, what happens is they throw everything. You, you get a, um, uh, they'll throw everything at you, all right? You, they'll throw the little stuff, the big stuff, the middle-of-the-road stuff. They'll throw in, you know, uh, uh, inchoate crimes, of course, like conspiracy or whatever, along with the crimes that, are, that, that, that you're being charged with. They'll throw in... Uh, Oh, a good one always is disorderly conduct because that can be, you know, anything from looking at the officer wrong uh, to, uh, you know, actually being disorderly. But see, here's the thing. It, it, the totality of the charges. Now, this has been my experience for, again, for normal people, non-elite people, is when you charge someone or you are charged, man, it goes from... You know, the first, depending on your state or your jurisdiction, uh, first-degree felony to the lowest of the summary offenses and everything in between. That's how the charges are filed. So it's not, well, you know what? We're not going to charge for the uh, uh, the, the, the secondary misdemeanor, and, and you know, we're not going to charge for perjury. We're just going to push those aside and we're really just going after the big stuff. So again, I ask you, with all of the planning that, that, that is apparently taking place, all of the plans, right? All of the plans. Does that even make sense to you? I don't think so. Right, now, look, it, it could, they could come back, and I'm, I'm not discounting this, that McCabe could be charged for the big situations as well as you know, the, um, not just the big ones, but, but as well as perjury. But you don't publicly dismiss perjury to go after the bigger charges. Do you see what I mean? Again, this is based on 30 plus years of experience. And by the way, at this point, I'm thinking, well, 35 years, but I'm thinking, throw out the rules because there are no rules anymore. I haven't see, I, I'm serious. If you are involved, whether it's in the criminal justice system or the civil justice system, there are no damn rules anymore. At least not for you, or at least not for the elite, uh, the the protected class, the upper crust, the nobility, the whatever. Rules don't apply to them; it's just to us. And if you, if you hear frustration in my voice, that, that comes from personal experience. You want to come on? Just asking. You don't have to run out of the studio that quickly. All right. But see, that's, that, that's what I'm talking about. So um, the two-tier justice system, as, it, as it's shown there with... Uh, with the illegals versus the American citizens and how that's applied in sanctuary cities and sanctuary jurisdictions, which is not right. I can't imagine the suffering 
by the family of Kate Steinle. I just can't imagine that. I can't imagine our system of justice moving forward with this two-tier justice system. Going to take a much-needed network break, and to be right back. You're listening to Hagman, HagmanReportLive.com, HagmanReport.com, and HagmanStore.com. All three places you need to bookmark. Going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. And welcome to Hagman, HagmanStore.com. If you haven't done so already, folks, you got to try this gourmet, Hagman gourmet style coffee, gourmet coffee that is in three blends. One is the detective's choice. The other is the revolution. And the third is the patriot blend. The re- How appropriately named is that, right? Revolution and patriot blends. Uh, patriot blend for patriots and revolution for, well, that's, that's feeling the next American Revolution, which I have a feeling is now. It's available in whole bean, in grind, and in K-cups. And I, I love this because Eric the Tech had done some marvelous packaging work, you know, on the body or on the on the uh, uh, sides of the, you know, on the sides of the bags, for example, you know, Italian style, heavy, bold, smooth flavor and aroma. And then, of course, uh, on the other side, it's uh, Patriot's go-to coffee to fuel the next American Revolution. And the same thing with the uh, Detective's Choice and, and the Patriot's Blend and the de- Detective's Choice. It's a force multiplier for interviews, interrogations, and long stakeouts. And I'm not kidding about interrogations. You know, I, I often when uh, John Moore's on, I mention the phone book, you know, a phone book. I don't know how many people really relate to that, but um, a phone books uh, had uses back in the interrogation, back in the old days of interrogation. Do you know what I mean by that? Eric the Tech, you, you, can you imagine why? I mean, the, the phone book, what, you know what I mean, right? Do you have a phone book? Or? Yes. Okay, all right. It's not to sit on or to look up a number. And the bigger the phone book, the harder the smack. But uh, anyway, Hagman's, I don't know how we got me off on that, but Hagman Report or HagmanStore.com, HagmanStore.com, and the coffee is great. And by the way, it helps actual boots on the ground, real, not pretend, but real um, organizations that, that fight against the human and child sex trafficking. Uh, vets for Child Rescue, Craig Sawyer, and of course, Russ Dizdar, Shatter the Darkness. Let me tell you, talk, talk about working hard. Working hard indeed. Before I move on, oh, Hunter Biden, you know, was was on the board of trade uh, coalition lobbying Obama administration on Ukrainian aid. Did you see that? The FBI raids James Biden, uh, the, uh, his uh, business. Let me get the let me get this correct. The FBI raids James Biden tied business. You heard about this? <laughs> Before I move on, you know, I, I want to thank our corporate sponsors, such as ZipRecruiter. If you've ever been in a position, if, you have, if you're a business owner and you've been in a position to have to hire somebody or find that right person, well, you know how challenging hiring is, right? It's difficult to find qualified candidates. It takes a long time. You get a whole bunch of candidates. But one company, ZipRecruiter, makes it easy. You know... Uh, have you heard about? Have you do you know the name Gretchen Hebner? 
If not, she's a co-founder of Codable, K-O-D-A-B-L-E. She experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. Now, I, I've got a neighbor who actually has a very specialized um, hardscape landscape company, and he was looking for that special person. And he found, uh, in fact, this is a couple of years ago now, using ZipRecruiter, found that right person. Well, Gretchen Heber, look, she saw it was difficult, but she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And so can you by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. Now that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman, two ends on Hagman. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And that's a huge difference. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, well, Gresham found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised that she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. I know people who've used ZipRecruiter personally. I mean, I'm telling you, it is, I talked about force multiplier for interviews. It is the force multiplier for business owners. That, those are my words, ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. With results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Folks, business owners, CY, and managers, people who need that special uh, hire, see why ZipRecruiter is effective for business of all sizes. I don't care if you've got two people. 20 people, 200 people, 2020, it doesn't matter. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. And let me spell Hagman for you because I've seen some pretty nasty spellings in my name. It is H-A-G-M-A-N-N. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. I want to thank them for being part of our... Uh, for, for sponsoring this program. Okay, I mentioned the FBI raided James Biden-tied business. This by Real Clear Investigations reported yesterday that FBI agents, this was last month now, raided the home of the uh, CEO of a bankrupt hospital chain in one of its hospitals in Pennsylvania. This isn't my home state. In new signs of trouble for a company central to accusations of influence peddling by who? Let me hear it. James Biden. You're right. That's Joe Biden's brother. You think Biden's about done with his, I don't know, his uh, race, political race? I think so. <clears throat> That's my view. Bloomberg. Watch Bloomberg now. Watch Bloomberg. But there it is right there. On That's from Real Clear Investigations. Cold front coming in from the west. I'd right. like to buy a vow. Yeah, but you know what? I could get in one of those slinky uh, skin tight outfits and spin the spin the letters. Oh wait, I got to get home for a wheel. On the uh, wrong one. All right. Eric, the tech folks, people love you. People love you. They want you on camera. 
again, his hair is not twirled anymore or curled anymore because, well, fix certain things. All right. Now getting serious. I mentioned about, oh, and Hunter Biden being on the board of trade. You saw that, right? Um, he was on the board of trade. This coalition lobbying Obama on Ukrainian aid. How much deeper do we have to go? How much more evidence do we have to present? He served on the board of a trade group that lobbied for increased spending on international aid, including aid for Ukraine, Biden's association with the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition and its close affiliate. The Center for U.S. Global Leadership has gone unexplored in the coverage of his business dealings. Go figure. All right, that segues into, now this segues into something. This segues into, I don't know how many people saw this. I, I, I've got a lot of respect for Lou Dobbs. This segues into a larger, the larger picture. Remember when I first opened the program, I talked about crimes. And this, if you're a serial killer, you know, when you look at something, as it applies to the coronavirus, the, you know, COVID-19 uh, virus or whatever the, the situation might be, it's always good to go right you know, kind of look at the, the the larger scene and go right to the beginning and process things that way. Well, have have a listen and, and take a take a look at what Lou Dobbs talked about, and this kind of segues into what's happening in a different realm in a different area with respect to invest current investigations. If you don't mind, it's about three minutes long. I think uh, this is uh, Lou Dobbs. Michael Dim's efforts to overthrow President Trump have always been tied to the early actions of the deep state, members of the permanent bureaucracy in Washington, who've seditiously worked from the earliest days of the Trump campaign to try to prevent and eventually remove President Trump from gaining office. As outlined by the conservative treehouse, and we want to credit them with uh, outstanding reporting and recommend them to you on tonight's broadcast, a key moment that could have changed the way the president's first three and a half years in office unfolded. The Department of Justice's corrupt decision not to prosecute a man for leaking classified information. That man was the former security director for the Senate Intelligence Committee, James Wolfe. Wolfe was indicted in 2018 for leaking information to four journalists, including one with whom he was having an affair. He also lied to the FBI. As we reported here before, Wolf's indictment shows he picked up a highly classified document on March 17th of 2017 to take to the Senate Intelligence Committee. A later FBI sentencing recommendation confirmed that that document included the first two FISA warrants for Carter Page. But James Wolf was never charged with leaking those classified documents. Most of the charges, in fact, were dropped against him in what could be called nothing other than a sweetheart deal orchestrated by former U.S. Attorney Jesse Liu. Wolf was allowed to plead guilty to one count, just one count of lying to investigators, for which he served two months, two months in prison. It is that moment in which we can now see evidence of the Department of Justice covering up a background scheme to remove the president. Had the prosecution of Wolf gone on, 
it's likely text messages between Senate Intel Committee Vice Chairman Mark Warner and Christopher Steele's attorney, Adam Waldman, might have been highly scrutinized. We'll never know. Further questions would have been asked about Warner's links to Steele and the credibility, of course, of Steele's work. But it wasn't in the left-wing national media's best interest to look into Wolf's case. They were too busy making claims like these about the Steele dossier. The dossier has been corroborated by the intelligence community. The dossier, in fact, is far from bogus. Increasingly, it's the accurate dossier. So far, nothing in the dossier has been disproved. The Steele dossier just rings true to me. What about Christopher Steele, the MI6 guy, the ex-MI6 guy, who did the f famous dossier, which is getting a lot more credibility now than it did? So just exactly how did this cover-up work, and how has it been allowed to go on for so long, and then at least one claim you heard there, gaining further credibility? Not so anymore, but looking back on those fateful days, it's amazing how gullible the left-wing national media pretended at least to be. Pretended at least to be. All right, here's the undergirding of that. <clears throat> the position, and, and this is from CTH. It's the, posi the position of Bill Barr today is a direct result of decisions made by the Department of Justice back in the fall of 2017 and in the summer of 2018. You saw uh, Lou Dobbs talking about this. The events surrounding the leaking of the FISA warrant used against Carter Page, and 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 this is so important because and people forget about this, the 2018 Department of Justice decision not to prosecute the Senate uh, or the SSCI Security Director James Wolf for those leaks. That was the fork in the road moment for the Department of Justice. By not or by deciding not to prosecute in those two instances, this we were here today because they went down that fork, the left fork instead of the right fork. You remember Jeff Sessions, right? Trust Sessions. Um, Attorney General Jeff Sessions was recused Deputy Attorney General who Rod Rosenstein. He was in charge of the Mueller investigation, or he was in charge, I'm sorry, while the Mueller investigation was ongoing. Now, that was when the Department of Justice made a decision not to prosecute James Wolfe. Remember, he bedded down uh, a, a very younger, quite younger um, journalist, journalist, Madge, read my lips, journalist. I imagine. Okay. <clears throat> Did I hear anything out of there? Did you chuckle? No? No. Oh. Would you please? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, remember James Wolf, what he did. I don't know. It was 80-some pages of, of the, the documents and 80-some text messages to this young uh, journalist, sensitive documents. How dare him? I'm kind of channeling now Greta Thunberg, Thunberg, whatever, into this, how dare you? Well, when at that point, the Department of Justice 
made a decision not to prosecute Wolf for leaking classified information. Remember D.C. U.S. Attorney Jesse Liu, who recently what? She made news recently, right? She uh, was not confirmed. Anyway, but Attorney Jesse Liu signed off on a plea deal where Wolf pled guilty to only one count of lying to the FBI. Again, this goes back to the, what I was talking about, the two-tier justice system. You and I, man, we'd be hanging by our thumbs. Eric the Tech, he'd be, he'd be hanging from his toes. That's right. See if the and here's 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 the undergirding uh, undergirding of this. If the Department of Justice had pursued the case against Wolf for leaking the FISA application, which they should have done, the fact the place where we are today would have been totally different. The American electorate would have seen evidence of what was taking place in the background to remove the effort to remove President Trump we would be in an entirely different place today if that prosecution or trial had taken place. This, according to Sundance at Conservative Treehouse, and I'm telling you, I agree, I agree, and I'll buy you dinner. I'm serious. Call me, call me. Three 2018 events revealed the entire wolf issue. Now listen here. The first event took place on February 9th, 2018, all right? The media reported on text messages between 2017, or from 2017, between the Senate Intelligence, do you like how I'm pronouncing these words? Between the Senate Intelligence Committee Vice Chair, Mark Warner, and the alleged author of the dossier, Christopher Steele, his lawyer, a lobbyist named Adam Waldman. So here's what we had. February 9th, 2018, the legacy lame media reported on text messages from 2017 between Mark Warner and Steele's lawyer and lobbyist Adam Waldman. Hold that thought. Event number two, four months after the Warner texts were made public on June 8th of 2018, Another headline story surfaced, an indictment for Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, Security Director James Wolf. That was unsealed, of course, on June 7th of 2018. Say at February 9th, 2018, the media reported on text messages between Vice Chair Mark Warner and Steele's lawyer, this lobbyist named Adam Waldman. Four months later, June 8th, 2018, the uh, indictment for Wolf was unsealed June 7th, 2018. And then the third event, and this occurred just a, less than two months after the release of the Wolf indictment. There was another headline story. On July 21st, 2018, the Department of Justice and FBI declassified and publicly released the FISA applications used against Carter Page, the former Trump campaign advisor. Those three events really revealed the wolf issue now <clears throat> it was later on december 14th of 2018 the there's a fourth but it was a release that was buried deeply that confirmed everything 
the FBI filed a sentencing recommendation proving it was the it was the Carter Page FISA that was leaked by Wolf. Let me see if I have a copy of it right here. Okay, the, the information was leaked, and here it is right here. You can see that's uh, what this says is essentially that it's Government Exhibit 13, that uh, the FISA application was uh, was leaked by, by James Wolf. Okay. <clears throat> now, what was not known at that time, and this is important for everyone to understand, I believe, simultaneous to the decision-making regarding Wolf was another and a second Department of Justice cover-up that was taking place surrounding the origin of the Russia collusion fraud. And I'm so sick and tired as you are hearing all about this crap. But to really understand the decision-making of Rod Rosenstein and Jesse Liu as to why they hid the James Wolf leak, it's important to note that the Department of Justice in the Eastern District of Virginia was creating the cover story to block sunlight on how WikiLeaks gained the leaked DNC emails. You know those emails that were leaked, the DNC emails that led to the Podesta emails and Hillary Clinton emails? You remember those? It was on April 11th of 2019, the Julian Assange indictment was unsealed in the Eastern District of Virginia. Now, from that indictment, we discovered that it was under seal since March 6th of 2018. So you're talking about a year. All right, now. How does that tie into things? Well, the FBI investigation took place prior to December 2017. It was coordinated through the Eastern District of Virginia, where Dan Bowente was the U.S. attorney at the time. The grand jury indictment sealed from the March sealed from March 18, uh, 2018 until after Mueller completed his investigation in April of 2019. Um, I'm getting somewhere. Hang on, hang on. So, okay, how does this all connect, and what does it mean? And this is summarized nicely at Conservatory House. James Wolf, and this goes back to what Lou Dobbs said too. James Wolf was confronted about his leaking by the FBI in December of 2017. At the same time, think about this December of 2017, James Wolf, the head security guy for the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, FBI knocks on his door, say, hey, Wolf, what's going on here? This is at the same time the FBI were investigating, uh, or the, they were investigating the WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. In the Assange case, as well as the Wolf case, the actions by the Department of Justice they reflect a predisposition to hide the much larger background story. See, the prosecution at that time of Wolf would have exposed a complicit conspiracy between corrupt U.S. intelligence agency operatives and, guess who, members of the U.S. Senate. Two branches of gov government working essentially on one objective, and that was to remove President Trump. A non-prosecution of Julian Assange would have uh, exposed a complicit conspiracy between corrupt U.S. intelligence actors and a host of political interests who created this fraudulent rush collusion narrative. 
with the central component, and this is important, of Russia hacking the DNC. If Assange were allowed to show that he received the DNC emails from a leaker, which he did, it wasn't from a hack, the central component of the Russia interference narrative would collapse. Those decisions served as the groundwork for what Barr's dealing with today, all right? Or what, why Barr's doing what he's doing today. Now, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying anything of the sort. What I'm saying, I'm trying to explain this. Um, the, uh, as soon as Mueller was about to release his Russia report, the Eastern District of Virginia shut down Assange with a Department of Justice indictment. And in a similar way, the, the Department of Justice shut down Wolf with a very, very weak plea agreement. Okay. The timing is key here. Both operations by the Department of Justice were taking place at the same time, and you're looking at the period between the fall of 2017 through the spring and summer of 2018. Both had a similar purpose. We can see that from both Department of Justice operations, this it's an in, intentional effort by Department of Justice, Maine Justice, not to expose the epicenter of a multi-branch effort against the White House, against President Trump, against candidate Trump. And some people within the, within the FBI were certainly, they were obviously participating along with people within the Department of Justice. However, not all Washington, D.C. FBI agents and officials were involved. We know that there were genuine investigators, at least in the Wolf case, because why? Because their investigative evidence shows that Wolf was leaking classified information. They Their reports reflected that. And if they did not present the investigative evidence that Wolf leaked, well, there wouldn't be evidence to see now. That's the white hats within the FBI. This is why we can see it now. But in hindsight, we can see something internally taking place within the Department of Justice. We can see that something within the Department of Justice happened because the FBI evidence against Wolf was just buried. Some high-level group inside the Department of Justice, inside Maine Justice, in D.C., in the summer of 18, was making decisions on what not to do, on what not to do. And these two events that I just referenced, they, they, they bracket, they highlight, they embrace, they, they, they shine a light on this corruption within the Department of Justice that existed despite... Trust sessions. And, more importantly, with the absolute complicity of Rod Rosenstein. So they, what happened it existed despite the presence, the presence of uh, Jeff Sessions, trust sessions, and apparently with the participation of Rod Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein. The decisions in the Wolf case are critical. That's where the fork in the road exists. That's why we see Barr doing what, he, what he's doing today. If, Wolf, if the Wolf prosecution had continued, it would have undoubtedly shown the key government officials and politicians, U.S. senators, were working together to unseat President Trump. The ramifications of the Wolf case are stunning had the prosecution continued. It's likely that a seditious conspiracy would have surfaced You can read more at Conservative Treehouse. I'll put the link in the show description box at HagenReportLive.com. But you got to understand this. This trust sessions crap, enough of that. Enough. 
We have sufficient evidence right now to show exactly what happened, when it happened, who do, who was behind it, and why it happened. And the why has to do with unseating the President of the United States, a deep state coup. That's it, period. You're listening to the Hagman Report. HagmanReportLive.com, HagmanReport.com, HagmanStore.com. Buy coffee, okay? Get right back. This is the Hagman Report. Welcome to the Hagman Report, where truth can't be silenced. You know, if it's Tuesday, it's Tuesdays with Stan, isn't it? Stan Deo is now 75 years and one week old. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Stan Deo is, is one of my favorite pe people to talk to. He's got, go to standeo.com. Oh, my goodness, his website. All of the headlines, all of the stories, all, the, all of the news aggregation done by Holly Deo. What a great, uh, what a great, what a great service. All right there, including expansion on news stories, headlines, the show images pages. Stan does different programs as well. Just go to standale.com. And by the way, he's got a Patreon. Support his work by way of his Patreon. You know, we folks, we, we've all got to stick together and uplift one another in this time, right? When we don't do that, well, hey, I've experienced that, you know. But we have to. Stan, how are you, sir? Good, oh, good. Th there's your Patreon page blocking that. But that's okay. Uh, folks, there's Standale's Patreon page. Um, you can select a membership level. I'm going to tell you it's worth every penny. That's standale.com <clears throat> and go to go to his Patreon and become a member. All right. Stan, thanks for joining me. Yep, yep. Uh, you'll notice I was still kind of consuming one of these very nice, fresh out of the oven peanut butter cookies at Holly. Oh, man, made. I can't say, you know, my, yeah, yeah, it, 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 <laughs> uh, man, you're doing good, good try. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm telling you, you know, you know what I had, uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago, I had my wife brought home, uh, uh, oatmeal raisin cookies and, and the best I ever had, I'm telling you. And I had one cookie and I went to get another one, like, I don't know, several hours later. And they're gone. I don't know where they went. It's a mystery. We have a cookie thief. Stan hung up on me because he didn't like my cookie story. Or he got we got disconnected, actually. That happens once in a while. But, uh, no, I'm serious. My wife bought this uh, um, a package of oatmeal raisin, and they're soft, and, oh, you can smell it. And, and it's tad of i think maybe a tad of cinnamon and vanilla and oh my they just, the aroma they were actually still a little bit warm they came from a bakery and you could just mm, ah, and that, that peanut butter cookie that stan had ah. yeah chocolate chip cookies for two weeks and then uh we're going to have this for a couple of weeks and okay. the next week it'll probably be oatmeal raisin cookies so okay. we'll catch up with you I'm going to tell you, cookies are fun. Um, Eric, Eric gives me a cookie every time I do tricks. Um, anyway, yeah. Well, yeah. How, how you feeling? You're looking good if for a week older, and uh, I just I, I said 75 years and one week older. But uh, let me tell you, your listeners or our listeners, I guess, uh, uh, on this show, I've gotten so many um, <laughs> good wishes from. Australia, from Europe, and all over America, and uh, wanted to thank them all. It uh, was encouraging. 
I'm you know, having a little bit yeah. of trouble here, uh, Eric. I'm getting a reflection of my voice, which is confusing my brain here. I hate that when that happens. Is there a way you can uh, fix that? Eric, I don't know if you can hear me standing. Eric's busily, busily working on some knobs and dials. And, oh, okay. I don't know. His hands are going every which way. Uh, I know the, the guests on like uh, the news shows and stuff, they they have a little earphone in their ear, and the, the ones that haven't done it very often, they get the reflection. Uh, my reflection's gone now. That's good. But they get the reflection in their ear, and you'll Perfect. see them stutter. That's yes. good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to, I, you know, for those people listening, I'd like to uh, blame that for any kind of uh, uh, linguistic or verbal uh, problems I might uh, display during the show. But alas, I can't. All right. So, Stan, okay. you're the man. Um, All right. What are we going to talk about? There's so many things today. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, I'm seeing, I'm sure you're seeing it too, and your listeners are. There are a number of things ramping up, like a number of volcanoes, uh, threats from big ones. Um, the sun is um, its remarkable in that it doesn't have many sunspots at all this uh, 25th cycle as it starts. Um, in fact, if you look at my show images page, uh, uh, slide 43 down to bottom and uh, click mm. on that. Okay. Mm Nothing's happening here, is it? Uh, oh, here it comes. Yeah. Okay. This is about a star that's close to us, relatively close, called uh, Betelgeuse. Some call it Betelgeuse, but it's Betelgeuse. Um, and this cloud, uh, this this uh, star out there, is throwing off clouds of um, ionized gas from it. It's it's undergoing some kind of a, a a phase change, which I've been talking about. It could be happening to our own sun. Um, and if you you can read the article, and uh, it uh, it does say that since December 2019, things have been ramping up, and it's been throwing off these clouds. Um, going back to the show images page, uh, slide 44, the one next to it. Okay. Are you, yep. Okay. Oh, that's good. There was a background noise just dropped out. That's good. Wow. Um, anyway, that takes you to a space weather page from oh, a couple of days ago, and it uh, shows you the uh the two stages from december and then into january this year um and you can read about it there and if you click the picture instead of the text i've put both images from january and yeah there you go um the text underneath tells you about it from the space weather point of view but they don't understand what's happening which means that this is a phenomenon that um, astro astronomical physicists do not understand they don't know why it's happening and you can see that there's the light is making the, the light from the, the, the star Betelgeuse. It's making it look like it's moving around or warping, uh, changing its shape, which is not a good thing. Now, when this does finish, it may finish in throwing off a huge ionized gas cloud and still have some sort of a star left after that. But it's happening so quickly that I think in the next few months, if we keep checking that, we're going to see that star uh, Betelgeuse uh, undergo a change that I think will be happening to us. Now, to support that, I'm looking at prophecy. I'm looking at Ezekiel, uh, Revelation, Luke, Mark, and Matthew. Uh, in Ezekiel, talking about the end days, and when I shall put thee out, I will cover the heaven and make the stars thereof dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud 
and the moon shall not give her light. Now, just that one phrase there, the one verse, tells us that the cloud is going to certainly between, be between us and the sun. It'll cover the sun and blot out the sun. But the cloud will come out so far that it will come between the earth and the moon. And we will not be able to see the moon, or at least a very reduced light, like an orange ready light of, of the sun uh, reflected off of the moon. So this is telling us it's a huge cloud. It's not just localized and gathering around the, 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 the edge of the sun or something. It goes right out th- past our orbit, which makes me think of the, um, the video I talked about a couple of weeks ago where I showed the explosion of a star uh, out in the Monoceros cluster where it uh, over several months, the star moved out through all of its uh, planetary orbits and out into the system beyond that. Uh, now this is going to happen to us too, according to prophecy. Um, look at, uh, now, th- this is an interesting one here in Mark 13, 24. But in those days, after that tribulation, I assume that means after the seven-year tribulation? What do you think that means there? I, versus, what, three and a half? Is that what you mean? Yeah. After, yeah, it, yeah I, I, I don't know. See, we'll, have tribula- we'll have some tribulation in the first three and a half years. Uh, and that's it's going to, you know, give rise to the rule of the Antichrist right. because somebody's got to solve the problem. But anyway, if it's after that tribulation before the judgment start, then it says the sun shall be darkened. But if the Lord is going to darken the sun as a judgment, then that will be saying is that in those days after that tribulation, the beginning of it, the first three and a half years, then the Lord shall, uh, the, the sun shall be darkened by the Lord and the moon shall not give her light. So it's talking about the same event that we were talking about in Ezekiel that this cloud moves out. It's so thick that we can't see the light of the, the moon or the sun. Okay, l- let me ask you a question because I I, I know I'm going to see comments and you know, I'm going to get emails about this. Now, it, it, here's my understanding, and I'll just toss this out. There's the tribulation, and it's described as, what, seven weeks or seven years cut into um, cut in half, the three and a half years, right? Right, Okay. right. So that's the tribulation, the great tribulation. And then over here is God's wrath. Now, that's my understanding. Okay, I, I'm not saying that that's the correct understanding. I'm not saying that's going to agree with anybody. That's my understanding. And then so over here with the tribulation, um, three and a half years, it would have. I, I would think it would have to occur within that three and a half year period based on, I mean, so if that's what you mean by the tribulation and this event, I'm not sure, or this. Well, if I understand what you're saying, I think I agree with you in that the first half of the tribulation, the first three and a half years, we're going to see a tribulation, but the judgment of the Lord, you know, the wrath comes after that in the last three and a half years. Is that the way you see it? Um, uh, maybe I misunderstood. No, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not well studied in terms of biblical prophecy on that, Stan. I, I, and, you know, if I say anything, there are going to be 25,000 people that are going to be telling right. me I'm wrong. So I don't know. Well, okay, I'll just simply say from the way that I've studied uh, the Scripture that I believe um, that the first three and a half years will be uh, when the Antichrist is, comes to power to solve a lot of the crises, crises that we have from, you know, I don't know, alien landings, uh, diseases, uh, weather, you know, catastrophes and famine, all that kind of stuff. But that's when people will follow him and into the the middle of the tribulation period, at the end of the first three and a half years, God is going to say, well, enough is enough. I'm going to show you who's boss. And he, he puts wrath 
upon the earth and all the living things here. To me, that's, uh, I, I see that as the start of that is when the sun is darkened to, to everybody to say, look, okay. yes. this is out of the control of the Antichrist. This is God speaking. You know, I have your attention now. And then these heavy judgments that we see later in the book of Revelation start to roll out. Um, you know, I, I, it's obviously a difficult subject, prophecy. And it's been one of the things that I've loved to study because I like to solve these mysteries and puzzles that the Lord put there for us. And that's kind of my thing. Now, I could be wrong, but at the moment, um, I see that that's going to be around the beginning of the last half of the tribulation, that the sun is darkened and the moon and that kind of stuff. I don't think we'll be here for that. But uh, I, I do think of the things happening here and how rapidly in a few months, you know, time uh, when it starts, that the sun can transition to something that's blowing off a lot of, of dust and heavy particles out through the solar system. And um, true. To, yeah. Yeah. And let me say here, uh, 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 I'm looking for one of these scriptures here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that cloud that comes out in Ezekiel uh, 20, uh, 32, 7 does say that it not only block, it blocks out the sun and the moon, it blocks out the stars as well. Um, and in Revelation 8, 12, the fourth angel sounded and the third part of the sun was smitten, the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So a third of them were darkened. Now, I don't know if that means um, percent-wise or in a locale, but I assume that it means percent-wise of all the things. They'll be blocked out by the thickness of this great cloud. Uh, I'm looking for the one where the stars uh, and the moon shall not give light meet after those days. Okay. Uh, Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and... The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven of the heavens shall be shaken. Now, if that dust cloud coming out doesn't have like particle-sized dust, but like chunks and, and bits and pieces of solid material, when they come blowing past the earth and into our atmosphere, you're going to see a shower of shooting stars, you know, uh, falling from the heavens. It just it all fits into this expanding, exploding gas cloud that's got chunks in it coming from the sun out past us when this event does happen. Anyway, that's. I don't want to take up a lot of time on that, but that was something that I've been kicking around myself. And, Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, okay, we covered that. We covered that. Okay. Events happening. Go to slide 45 and look at the earthquake map for the last uh, seven days. Okay. 45. Oh, there it is. Okay. Now, you'll see that there's a blue one up there. <laughs> That's a, a Richter 7 that occurred. Uh, let's see here. Soon, today, I think it was, no, yesterday, uh, on the 13th, sorry, of February. Um, now, that's in the, the Russian peninsula there, or just b beneath it in the sea. Uh, it's an interesting size quake, which is why I put it up there. But below that, look at New Zealand, you know, off the uh, southeast corner of Australia. You can recognize that. I watched this area uh, intently of late to see earthquake activity as a prelude to the eruption of the Lake Taupo uh, caldera, and it's huge. Now, you'll see that there are Richter 6s and 5s all along that red line at that plate tectonic border running down into the middle of the north and south uh, you know, island of New Zealand. This is a concern to me. There's a, been a slow slip uh, earthquake, earth slide is more like it, occurring over the last few months on the east coast of North Island. Now, that's saying that there is um, 
a release of pressure that's slow at the moment between these two plates, the Australian plate and, and the, uh, the Pacific plate there off to the east. It's something to watch. And uh, you can also see there uh, down there's a Richter 6 down toward the pole uh, southeast of New Zealand. These things are of, of uh, interest to me because we're seeing a lot of heavy earthquakes, you know, fives and sixes over in Chile, Peru, uh, and even part of the northeast part or just off the shore, sorry, northwest part of Argentina. Uh, you don't want to see those kind of big releases because I think these are precursors to a mighty big earthquake that's going to release some volcanic pressure. Um, it could do it over in, in South America as well, but I'm looking more at what I see in New Zealand there. Uh, and wow. if you live in Japan, you don't want to see those big earthquakes just north of you. They're just a few miles north of the North Islands of, of Japan. Yeah, and, this has yeah. been within the last seven seven days. Yeah, you said? yeah, wow. yeah. And then you look at the at the states. Uh, we've got from down near Central America. There, we've got reasonably good sized earthquakes all along that fault line going up into Southern California. And all around, uh, you know, Los Angeles and, and San Francisco, they're all getting an increase in the size of these things. They're usually little small yellow dots, but these are bigger. And you see that circle that forms up around Mount St. Helens and back down uh, on the right side of that. It forms kind of an oval of press release. And you see at the top end of the Juan de Fuca plate there, that little kind of red outline that looks like some kind of a, I don't know, a state design or something. But at the top of it, there's about a Richter 4 or 5 up there. Up there. And Alaska is just getting pummeled up there. So this this last week has been really interesting in plate tectonic uh, pressure releases. And I think that uh, we're going to see this affect uh, uh, the areas where we have volcanoes and where the, maybe they aren't now, but they will be. Uh, and we'll just go from there. Let's go back over. You know, you know what, Stan, before you get away from earthquakes, uh, I want to tell you, I, give a hat tip to Kent, who is a 76-year-old sixth generation native Texan and a retired Air Force officer. Back uh, on February 4th, he sent an email um, to me about your, he said, you know, he said, I always love watching and listening to, to you, to Stan. And uh, remember I mentioned about uh, the UK, about England and lack of earthquakes up there since we're on earthquakes yeah okay yeah. were they apparently anyway he said this um may or may not be related to what you're talking about but he said note on the white cliffs of dover remember when you mentioned that the white yeah, cliffs? yeah okay um uh, stan mentioned thousands of years ago there existed a white chalk land bridge that joined england with france um and, and he supplied a pretty good article uh, that described the uh, phenomenon. I just wanted to share that with you. He listens to you, loves you, and uh, native Texan, sixth generation native Texan, and a retired Air Force officer. So yeah, he, he sent me an email too as well. It was, it was I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, yeah, a chalk land bridge. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, let's hope it doesn't go further for the sake of uh, Great Britain. But uh, you know, I suppose it could all break off again after we get some serious move with the crust. I think probably what caused that was the Kudapa asteroid that hit the east coast of India and caused a great flood of Noah. That just absolutely ripped the, the, uh, the surface of the earth, the, 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 uh, the crust, and spun it around. When, when you get that much <clears throat> mobility, you can see how it could um, uh, break apart uh, weak areas in chalk, let's face it, uh, can fracture fairly easily. Sure. Sure. Now, <clears throat> okay. 
and, and I appreciate the help that uh, our listeners send in. They're the best. I'm telling you, your, uh, your listeners are. are so, I, our, together, our listeners to me represent the best of the best in terms of the intellectual value that they can provide to a discussion, whether it's comments or emails. I love it. So, all right. Well, they, they join us. I mean, they, they add information to us from their own experience or access to, to data, yep. which is great. It, it, it's a community that we're in. And that's so important today, I believe. It's so important. Uh, you know, I, I got an email from a, from a, a lady yesterday talking about, and this is off topic, but since we're talking about uh, um, listeners and viewers talking about quarantine procedures for public schools now with the coronavirus. And it's these little pieces of information that you get, that I get, that we can all kind of toss in the bucket there and, and, and add to, um, you know, create a picture, create more of a, uh, a larger swath of information for the people. I'm sorry, I'm going to shut up now. Am I still talking? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I want to give me a cookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you want. You need one of those. I, I tell you, it's good. <laughs> and still warm from the oven. That's that's really a ripper. Mm, I can smell it. Yes, yes. Well, I tell you, it's a it's a labor of love. She has to roll all that dough into individual balls after they've been in the fridge for to cool, so they don't stick to your hand. Yep. And so. I've been watching her this morning, rolling her little balls and stacking up piles of them and then putting them out and kind of drooling, you know, as waiting for those balls to cook. Uh, i tell you, my wife's a good baker, too, and I know Holly. It's just, oh, man. We, we married up, didn't we? We did. For sure, we did. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my brother, while we're on coronavirus type things here in the background, my brother Glenn is a surgeon, and uh, he uh, sent me a, a link to an article in coronavirus, uh, a technical paper, but it's saying that they have found if you have con contracted coronavirus and you survive it and uh, you go about your merry way having survived the coronavirus, like a lot of people have already in China, that if you get re-exposed to it, you can catch it again. And the second time, it will probably give you a heart attack and you will die. Now, isn't that joyful news? You know, I saw that. And yes, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So even if you get it and defeat it, uh, don't, uh, don't celebrate too much because you still got to watch out. It's because it mutates it's a virus that has a shape and everything you contract it and your body fights on it and it starts to mutate saying, well, if I encounter this kind of resistance again, I'll have a different form and I'll get past their, their defenses in the body. And that's why it's so hard to make a, a vaccine because uh, you can make a vaccine for the initial form of it, but the mutated forms, you don't know what you're fighting because it depends on the people and animals that it's infected. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, what a nasty! Well, it's just part of the the uh, the pestilence that the prophecies tell us we're going to see during the end times as we approach the tribulation period. You know, I, I was looking at the. The headlines, as I always do, and you see the locusts, you see the diseases, the you know the the biological issues, and and the earthquakes, and the <clears throat> the sun stuff, uh, or the uh, uh, you know the heavenly signs. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't believe in the Bible and God, I, I think I'd, I'd I'd be a little concerned right now. I mean, well, there. 
Yeah, a little, but it's not to the really uh, to the point where it starts to affect you in your pocketbook or at home or at work. But it's getting there. We're yeah. we're seeing these things come so rapidly together that even the unbeliever or the unschooled in in the Bible will say, "Wow, what's causing this?" You know, and they will joke and say, "You know, who made God mad?" You know, because these are things way out of our control. Uh, you know, as you say, you know, like the plague of locusts hitting a food chain. Yep. Um, and then the coronavirus also affecting our food chain because people can't uh, trade freely between countries like they used to between states because they're afraid that the virus might be on the food by, by the people who handled it yep. or in the, the trucks that convey it or things like this. So this is going to hurt if it uh, gets out of hand, you know, and really becomes pandemic, uh, epidemic across the, the, the world. Uh, it will affect the food supply, and people will see that in their pocketbook saying, well, uh, okay, they've got milk there, but uh, I have to pay five times as much as I used to. And it will force an inflationary pressure on food as well because of that. It's just everything is so connected nowadays that, uh, you know, people are going to have to realize that we are all subject to these events. And they will they will become more and more aware of it, I'm sure. Yep. Slide 50. Go Sorry, ahead. go on. No, no, no. Sorry. Go ahead. Slide 50. Uh, there's a paper that's been produced uh, by research scientists who studying data for the last 50 years, uh, a scientist named Robert Smith. And he has found that there is a rise of two feet uh, over the whole Yellowstone volcano. Now you think, well, two feet, big deal. But if you see two feet over how many square miles that is, that's telling us that the Yellowstone volcano is, is active. It's not dormant. It is now building for another eruption. Hopefully, it will be a magma eruption rather than a, a volcanic, you know, eruption where it uh, just spews out stuff for miles up there and the air puts ash out. But this is another subtle warning that we have a problem with Yellowstone. And you can read that article there. They they put the old figures out 640,000 years ago and 2.1 million years ago. And that the massive eruption in red is overdue. So this is just another thing. This guy is at the University of Utah. He's a lecturer there. But um, anyway, uh, another proof that the volcanoes are getting ready for something fairly soon. Mm. <sighs> Remember, we've talked about um, oh, uh, oh, uh, methane hydrates. You know the the, the methane gases in frozen water at the bottom of the sea. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, slides 46, 47, and 48 are uh, you know, important in this respect. Slide 46, first one says that a large area in um, uh, Alaska that the permafrost has started to melt. You can see the pictures of it there. Uh, and just a second here. And it's transforming the Arctic. Now, the frozen tundra has gases frozen in the, uh, the water content down at the lower uh, depths. Uh, so when the, the tundra starts to thaw, it's going to start releasing you know, methane and, uh, and other carbon-based gases and things that uh, aren't, aren't good for global warming, if you wish. But I often said uh, you know, over the radio that if that methane hydrate release is sudden, you know, if it's a sudden warming uh, in you know, uh, climate uh, terms, not 10 seconds or something, but over a period of weeks, it could cause large bubbles of methane gas to form and pop up to the surface of the water body that covers them. And this can be happening for one of two things. If something like electric spark happens from the friction, it could ignite this 
gas bubble, of course, you'd have a burning ball of flame come up off the water. Uh, as long as it's out there, not on the shore, causing trees to burn, things like that, it's not a big deal. But this release of that gas pressure down deep can cause landslides underneath the land, where, you know, where the water penetrates, and cause you know, irregular loads on the surface and cause you know, a lot of damage, like a, a local earthquake in essence, but it's due to a, a landslide underneath all this methane gas release. Um, and, you know, we have a strange thing in that we have climate warming causing this, but we have a problem with the sun going very cool, and we're looking at a 200-year uh, event that the last time this got this cool was 200 years ago. Um, and the, if you look at the uh, Little Ice Age, you know, the uh, Maunder Minimum in the 1600s, uh, for a couple of years, the Thames River froze over in England. And you could, you could put your, your stalls and bazaars out there year-round. Now, so we have now a cooling period where we're starting to see maybe even the loss of this summer. It'll be a very a mild summer, if anything, for us. It wasn't for Australia, but, you know, this, this current season. But for us, it might start a couple of mild summers. And uh, so when you look at this heating up in one part, like in the Arctic, it's a relative heating up. It's, it's not heating up for us. In general, we're getting cooler. So maybe it's, um, it's warming up to our temperature, you know, which is going to be coolish, but it's going to be warm for the Arctic. Uh, this is strange, but that's what it looks like. There's there's a dichotomy of the heating and warming, but it averages out. So we're looking at cooling overall rather than just warming. But, uh, is it what sorry? you're saying, you just can't use br- uh, broad strokes to describe you know what's going on with respect to the climate. Um, right. Yeah, no, I get that. And, you know, the way the, the geologists or geophysicists try to do it is say, okay, we'll take an average of all the hot, and cold zones on the planet, and we'll get an average temperature for the planet, which is about the only way you can do it. And if you see a change in the Earth's temperature, either going up or down, by as much as two degrees centigrade, which is what about three or four degrees Fahrenheit, something like that, if you see that happen on a global average, you can expect either massive cold freezing conditions or super hot, you know, burning summers or, you know, all year round for that matter. So 2%, or sorry, 2 degrees change Celsius, either way up or down, can create havoc in our weather and uh, crops and everything else, and diseases. Um, yeah. Okay, slide 47 on the text, if you click on that, it tells you where these gas hydrates come from, and you see a nice big picture of these bubbles that are trapped in the ice. But they didn't just get trapped there, you know, from outside somehow or another. They found that there are little microbes down in there, uh, bacteria and things, that are alive in the ice, and they're generating the uh, methane gas. And so it becomes a gas hydrate, and it is trapped in frozen water, you know, hydrate. Uh, there's a nice video clip there from the University of Texas showing you that, uh, that, uh, that effect of where the bubbles are forming. Uh, okay, and the most common gas among the hydrates, of course, is methane which does add to the greenhouse gases. And in large releases, like I said earlier, it can cause uh, landslides under the surface of the ocean or, or the deep lakes where these occur. They actually call these things uh, fire ice, uh, mainly occurring in the ocean where you got deeper depths and pressure to keep them uh, contained. 
But uh, the sad thing about it, you can see that in slide 47 there, is that uh, the scientists have to admit they don't know a lot about them. You know, it's a mystery because they're in such depths that with studying them has been rather difficult, you know, at a, at a distance in those depths. You can't dive down that way. You have to use, you know, uh, remote vehicles to go down that deep. And uh, so you can read read those articles there uh, on the hydrates and the fire ice. These are going to play an important part and are playing an important part in the changes of our climate. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, okay. So, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm looking at the, um, specifically 47 and 48 in the show images. And you, you've got images of, of trapped. Methane. Yeah, right. So this would be, uh, what I'm looking at would be empty pockets. Uh, well, not empty, but, well, void of any s material. And yeah, just, just gas. gas. Okay. Yeah, gas bubbles, yeah. So, and as the, as the, um, as the warming occurs, this, the ice dissolves and this, this bubble goes up and into the atmosphere. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And depending upon how quickly, uh, you know, how much of the ice is suddenly releasing its gas, you can form one great big bubble or a couple at the same time, which when they move up will cause changes in pressure on the surrounding mud and, you know, the, the land if it's near a coastal area and can feasibly cause earthquakes or gas quakes, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> All right. Shockwaves. Shockwaves, Shockwaves. yeah. Yeah. And it, it, wasn't this off topic here a little bit, but when we had discussed the uh, what is known as the Bermuda Triangle, wasn't this a, a possibility? Not the ice, but the methane. Uh, yeah. The, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, they said, uh, yeah, because uh, that's another thing it does in addition to forming the shockwave. It's a, a light gas, and when it goes through the water, it lowers the density of water. You know, you, you foam up the water, and so ships can't maintain, you know, they can't float in a, in a bunch of these gas bubbles coming up because it changes the density of the, of the water and makes it lighter, so it won't support the weight of the ship, and these things sink. There you go. That's what um, I thought. There's a... On, I think the island of Bermuda, I was watching a documentary the other day on the History Channel. They were talking about the magnetic anomalies that occur in aircraft and, and uh, uh, naval craft going anywhere close to the Bermuda Triangle. And it's because the island of Bermuda itself is almost totally, uh, on the base of it, magnetite, which is magnetized iron, a natural form of iron. And magnetite in that quantity is causing compasses to behave erratically. And if you're moving your, your craft rapidly, like an aircraft coming over it, it'll even generate arcs in the in the electronics if you know if you uh, fly through the dense part of it. So this can explain a lot of the the, the uh, instrumentation uh, problems by simply flying through this permanent magnetic field that's very strong, and you've got AC, you know, and uh, some of your equipment on your plane. It will generate. In fact, even DC will do it. If you've got a current flowing and you fly through the magnetic field, it'll generate extra voltage inside your equi equipment. And I mm. suppose, to a degree, you can have this on naval craft, but they're not going that fast. Uh, the high-speed aircraft, you know, 200 to 600 miles an hour, would generate arcs, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, okay. That's... Interesting. Okay. Now, uh, I'll just tell you, you can look at the picture of this uh, later. The, it's uh, slide 50. Uh, there 
their uh, space weather gallery, spaceweather.com, uh, are mentioning the fact that the sun looks absolutely, totally perfect. There's not a sunspot on it anywhere. Um, and this is in keeping with the NASA forecast that this is going to be a very uh, small uh, solar sunspot uh, period, uh, the 20th cycle. And it's proving to be correct at the moment. Uh, and slide 53, right next to that, click on the text of that. Okay. And you'll, you'll see that um, what I was talking about here, that NASA says this solar cycle will be the lowest in 200 years. Uh, it's called a, a Dalton minimum. And what this, what this implies, and there's a graph and stuff in there, and let me just get down to the implications. Uh, okay, just underneath that, I think, is where they almost Lower than down. average uh, global temperatures. Yeah, it's, it's right. All right. Yeah. All right, go go down. Uh, well, well, well. Uh, the implications. Okay, go go past the term implications. Go down, down, and a little bit further, a little bit. Uh, okay. Now, that's the start of the implications. The first one says, like the deeper bottom and sporer minimums preceding it, the Dalton brought on a period of lower than average global temperatures. The overlocked station in Germany, for example, experienced a two-degree centigrade decline over 20 years, which devastated the country's food production. Okay, the next one. The year without summer also occurred during the Dalton minimum in 1816. It was caused by a combination of already low temperatures plus the after effects of a second largest volcanic eruption in 2,000 years of Mount Tambora. And that, of course, you know, the, the dust clouds uh, hit the crops after that for about a year. The earthquakes and tsunamis that followed killed, killed tens of thousands of people living on the surrounding Indonesian islands. But Tamboro's eruption wasn't of much interest to Europe and the U.S., not initially at least. The news was focused on the Napoleonic Wars and the Battle of Waterloo on Sunday, June 18th, in which the Duke of Wellington defeated blah, blah, blah. The newspapers were preoccupied with the battle right up until the start of winter in 1815, when the weather turned decidedly wacky. That's a technical term, you know. And by, by 1816, the climate was dominating headlines news that both spring and then summer failed to arrive in that year of 1815. Uh, our Virginia resident recalled in June, another snowfall came and folks went slaying. On July the 4th, water froze in cisterns and, and snow fell again, which, of course, is the middle of summer. Clothes froze on the line in New England. Ice on ponds and lakes was reported in northwestern Pennsylvania in both July and August. All right. Crops that had managed to sprout were frozen out in early June, replanted and frozen again in July. Very few crops were actually harvested, and none of those that were, the yields were very poor. In turn, food grain prices skyrocketed. So there I'm telling you about the inflationary pressure on food, uh, you know, food prices. Uh, for example, in 1815, oats sold for 12 cents a bushel, but by the next year, they were up to 92 cents a bushel, which is, well, a darn near eight times as much, 800% rise in the cost of those grains and subsequently the cost of the cereals and various other things that use the grain. The potato crop in Ireland rotted in the ground and resulted in the widespread, in widespread uh, starvation. The, in England, France, and Germany, wheat crops failed, leading to bread shortages and food riots and looting. Northern China was hit so hard with the thousands of people starving to death. Okay, while in Southern Asia, torrential rains triggered a cholera epidemic that killed many more, of course, polluting the water. I, I suppose you could see uh, typhus as well, but... Uh, Cholera is what they got, but anyway, that's that's telling you these changes are in the past were not uh, without serious implications. 
and we're now dependent on electronics and on uh, shipping and transport, you know, between countries and states. All this could just cause a, col- a collapse of the world economy, uh, in addition to many other things. Plus, it would really screw up the yachting season. I can't put my 48-foot yacht in the... Yeah, no, I hadn't no. thought about that. Yeah, gee, it is sad. It is sad. Uh, but you're right. I mean, so, so this, so 1815, 1816, this happened. Uh, yeah. J- July 4th, frozen stuff in Virginia on July 4th. Oh, my goodness. Of 1815, 16, whatever it was. Hmm. Yeah, 1816, yeah. So we can expect something like this or perhaps even more complicated than that uh, if, um, you know, it continues to be a very cold next 10 or 11 years. Oh, oh. Things are so interconnected between the sun and even the moon and the earth all together. Uh, yeah. when, when one hiccups, the other dies of the flu or something, you know. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, difficult. Uh, but again, it prophecy tells us these things will come to pass. Um, look at slide 55. Um, it says that the end of Australia as we know it, and it's talking about the effect of all the fires and and, and uh, uh, nature that was damaged by these these huge number of fires all up the east coast, and it's going to force Australians to form uh, or imagine an entirely new way of life. Uh, they're going to they're going to be afraid of summer, but I think that it might uh, wander off to be cooler, and so that uh, their next summer may be cooler for them. Um, you know, if it continues to get hot there, if they're the part of the planet that heats while the rest of us cool down, then they're going to be keeping kids inside and uh, use bunkers and stuff. Um, I, I remember when we had a, um, uh, a thinning of the ozone layer over the island south of Cuba. Um, we got a call from one of the islands there, a, a parent, saying that the, the ultraviolet penetration through that, that hole in the ozone layer was causing welts to form on people out, outside exposed to it and nausea and disorientation and diarrhea and they had to keep children at home and out of the sun. Even now, I, I advise people to start getting these uh, sunglasses that have that kind of tan or orangish color to them to shield the blue uh, ultraviolet coming from the sun from their eyes because it could produce cataracts over a period of time, if nothing else. So, yeah. Sure. Australia... Australia's got to deal with this. I remember being down in Australia. It was the first time I was in a, a sunspot or, or ozone layer hole over Perth. And it does hurt physically. It goes through your thin clothing, and it's like little pinpricks all over your body when you get out in that kind of a, you know, ultraviolet penetration. Yep. Okay. Now, a fun thing, a fun thing. I like fun slide, things. Slide 56. We've got a picture there of an orangutan who knew that these waters uh, in his domain there uh, were close enough to the sharks that it was dangerous to get in the waters because sharks eat you. Well, this, uh, this man uh, fell into it. There's, there's snakes and sharks and whatever. Anyway, he fell into it, and uh, he was a park ranger, and this, this orangutan realized that the guy couldn't climb out because there was no place to grab hold of the vegetation and, you know, with enough strength to pull himself out. So the orangutan reaches out over that, gives him a hand to pull him out because he knows it's dangerous for him to be in there. Hmm. I just think that's really cool. Okay. Yeah. A geologist in uh, Kerala, India filmed this in uh, Borneo. What a, what a photograph, eh? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got a whole new level of respect for orangutans. Yeah, we watch these zoo programs quite frequently and how human-like they are. Just 
you know, they have emotions, they have family structures. I mean, they have children that misbehave and I give them a swat, kick them over and stuff and say, you know, get your act together. They're just really, really cool primates. Interesting. Yeah, that, that would be something. I mean, think about that. That would be something to, yeah, I'll give you a hand and you look up and you see this hairy beast. Uh, Oh, they're strong, though. And uh, that arm, I tell you, what, he could probably lift that guy up and toss him over his shoulder if he wanted to with just one arm. Kind of like my mother-in-law, God rest her soul. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I joke. Don't send the emails. I'm oh, kidding. yeah, I know. I know. Oh, man. <laughs> you got to have a sense of humor. Yeah, really. But, um, no, that, that's pretty it's, it's pretty good. You know, and I was watching, to, to that, uh, to speak to that, I was watching some uh, pretty interesting um, dog, uh, you know, how dogs help uh, their owners or their or not owners their mates if you will or the people that rescue them or yeah you know it's it's just the level of um i don't know just and certain animals are just so smart um, oh gotta tell you on animals uh we have two kelpies you know, you know jay's bombella mm -hmm. jay's the bloke he was sitting on holly's lap uh, i think it was last night or the night before and we were watching a, a video we had on a uh, Johnny Cash, you know, the, the bio that they present. And somewhere along there, this, the actor, you know, playing Johnny Cash is singing a Johnny Cash song and it's got a nice beat, with you, a toe tap it beat, you know. Uh -huh. And I looked over at him and he was up like this and his ears were going in time to the music like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never seen it before. I thought, wow. Yeah, as soon as we mentioned, of course, it stopped. But yeah, it was fun. You know, Stan, I, I don't know whether um, you've got this availability where you're at, but um, we have on on our channels with the news channel. We anyway, it's a dog dog TV. Dog TV is what it's called, and I don't know what they do or how they do this. Uh, they'll have certain times of day, of course, relaxation, stimulation, uh, and so on, different periods. Uh, and, and the videos are so real. Um, my lady, the studio dog, will actually lay there and watch these videos, uh, bark at the dog sometimes, depending on what they're doing, uh, watch the, you know, watch the dogs, watch it. It's just amazing to, to see their concept. Like, you know, like you said, their ears move to music, um, uh, it's just it's just amazing to see what uh, what they do. Yeah. But it's called dog TV, and uh, not that I don't have any any financial uh, stake in it. I just mentioned that, but it's just amazing to, to watch. Well, I have to see if we can find that. I think Holly saw it uh, a promo on it somewhere. We were going to do it and forgot to do it. I think but, it, was, uh, it was a trial, and and then I don't know how we ended up getting it. Now that I mentioned, it'll probably they'll probably take it away from us. But um, that is fun. That's uh, it's really something to watch. Yeah, yeah, love these creatures. Love them. Yeah, okay. uh, you know when we when we find uh, like we're if we laugh at a joke between us or you know where you have a real <clears throat> belly laugh or if you're looking at something on TV which makes you laugh like crazy, our dogs will chime in by barking. <laughs> the only problem is they bark a lot longer than we laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, okay, okay, it was funny. Now that's enough, you know. But anyway, yep. I digress. I digress. Nah, do dogs uh, are great. All right. All right, slide 49. Now, this is really uh, kind of serious. Um, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are aware of this, but it's getting more pronounced. It's called the, the Rise of Modern Paganism, or Wicca, you know, witchcraft. Mm -hmm. Now, back, um, gosh, in 2011, what's that, about nine years ago, 
uh, with the Air Force Academy, for crying out loud, they decided uh, for freedom of religion, they would let witches uh, make their stone circle worship place here so they could have a coven meeting on the academy ground, probably 700 yards or maybe not even that far from where the Christian church and the Jewish uh, synagogues are. Um, and I thought at the time, well, this is really crazy. Well, the next year, the local Christian community came out and prayed against it. They formed a, a circle around the, the, the uh, site and prayed against it, you know, for, for not being a good thing. Um, but now then, I, uh, uh, just a few years later, I think it was in 2016, the Air Force Academy had to pay for two of its cadets to go to a local coven party celebration, you know, something, some kind of a thing for the season. And what, so that they could dress up in crazy garb and, you know, makeup on their face and all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> and to me, this is just a misuse of government funds. I think it was $80,000 that it cost us taxpayers to build that stone circle with a little podium in the middle of it on, you know, on the academy grounds. Makes you wonder what kind of people were turning out now that if, if they let this kind of nonsense go on, uh, you know, it's not black and white anymore. It's, it's muddy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, people will say, well, it's freedom of religion, but, but, you know, there's, how would you describe this? We, we are, we are a Christian based country. Uh, uh, I'm convinced of that. I mean, I think the evidence would support that as well. <clears throat> I don't think, I don't see anywhere where, uh, beyond the basis for establishment of this country, and I'll even go so far to say, and some people will take me to task, that, that we're a Judeo-Christian nation. But um, uh, for, even if you don't agree with that description, but at least a Christian nation, I don't think I don't think we should be accommodating these people like this. Do you? I mean, I can see accommodating, and maybe this is duplicitous, but I can see no, that's the wrong word. Uh, I can see us accommodating the, the Christian faith or the Jewish faith, but not. Stuff like this, I don't know. Does that make it, me a hypocrite? No, no. Look, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog here. Have a um, cookie. <laughs> I really would be out for a while on that one. I, <laughs> um, I like to enjoy my cookies. Yeah, but um, if you look at the Wiccan, you know, strange gods type thing, they don't just worship that. What they do is impact trying to put their belief over onto the Christians. Now we we tend to leave them alone, but they want to take over our activities and turn us into Wiccans, uh, saying that our stuff is outdated and we need to get caught up with the gods, you know, return to the gods, that they call them. If you look at Islam, Islam, uh, I know there are a lot of Muslims who are very decent people. I've known many of them in my life as uh, friends and family, you know, uh, friends. But there is an element within the, uh, the Quran, which in print says, that their job is to, you know, uh, enslave Christians if they won't join, to tax them, or in some cases to kill them, but to always, if they want to, lie to Christians uh, to to take them down. Because the, when they come into a country, everyone has to be following Sharia law. If not, then you're going to get persecuted. Now, Christians don't do that. Christians don't do it. Jews don't do that. We, we have a peaceful religion ourselves. We're not going to come in and say, if you don't become a Jew or you don't become a Christian, we're going to, you know, put you in jail or penalize you. Estonia. Well, yeah. I know. I mean, this this is an attack when they have these kind of religions or organizations. I get more than anything, but yeah, it's it's not fair. I mean, we we let them come in and take us over. This is the Crusades being fought out again between Christians and, and Muslims. 
all over the world. And the Antichrist kingdom that's coming has a lot of um, similarities to Sharia law with the guillotining of people who don't convert to Islam yeah. or to the New World Order. And by the way, Catholic, with the, with the Pope joining with the, uh, the, the head of the uh, Islamic community in the Middle East, um, what we're seeing is a fusion of um, Roman Catholicism uh, with uh, Islam. And so we're going to have a combined ruling or, or law from the two of them, which is going to be terrible. But you can see that where East meets West, and, and the, it's not Christianity, really. It's Catholicism. That's the Roman Empire that hid in a religious structure, the the Vatican, after Rome kind of slid into not being a a, a power anymore. But it's going to be reborn, two legs east and west of the Roman Empire, uh, west being the European Catholic uh, portion, and the eastern being the uh, Arabic countries, mostly Islamic portion. That's what was in, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel said would be the two legs of the revived Roman Empire which would then have 10 regions at the end of it. Anyway, I digress. But and, I, and you I, write about this um, in Cosmic Conspiracy. A little yeah. Bit, yeah. 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 This. Okay. Yes, yes. And that was back in 1978 right. when I, I came across a brochure. It was being handed out in one of the shopping centers here in Australia. A little brochure about like that. And in color, nicely printed. And it was announcing that, that year's meeting of the one world religion and the Catholic church printed it and put it out. I mean, 1978, I saw this and I could not believe my eyes. And here we are, what, 40 some odd years later, 42. 40. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. And looking yeah. at these, these clowns here in the picture, you know, the celebrating the solstices and the sun coming through two particular stones there at Stonehenge. Look at how they're dressed up. You can look at the picture and clicking on. I mean, they're, Yep. They're really into this. Just. Yeah. Um, and, and we see this, we, we, I don't know, I, I've been seeing more and more of this on a um, regional, maybe, I don't want to say local, but at least a regional level, um, an increase in this kind of activity. And it's advertised on uh, certain websites and through certain uh, hard copy publications, periodicals, if you will. And if people look, if you know where to look, you can you can find these these little little celebrations, parties, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, yeah, these are, and they're getting to be more and more of them, as you say. Yeah. Um, now, just because uh, we're getting close to the time when the uh, world government has to form, in my opinion, slide fifty. Well, let's see, slide fifty-four. Uh, go to slide fifty-four. Click on the text. And you'll see that it's talking about China's 500-meter spherical radio telescope. It's it's the biggest telescope in the world, radio telescope. And um, what they're doing is uh, SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, uh, has time on this where they can use the dish to search for intelligent uh, life signals from deep space. Now, this is getting press and publicity. It's turning our attention again to, yes, it's worth spending lots of money to go out there and check for signals for uh, extraterrestrial life. Maybe we can make contact with them and, you know, raise our technology and our social structure and whatever and be friends. This, to me, is bringing the world attention in just mainstream media because this is, you know, SETI. 
and they're starting to give them credence and uh, say it's a worthwhile project to try to contact aliens out there. Uh, the next step uh, it will be when they uh, go to phase two of the uh, disclosure of the UFO cover-up, uh, we're going to see instead of just some Navy photographs or, or videos of these high-speed uh, tic-tac-shaped uh, UFOs, we're probably going to get to the point where we have communication somehow or another that's released, and it might be from this, this dish picking it up, that well, they are here and they're our brothers and they're coming to help us. You know, They mean us no harm, that kind of stuff. Getting ready for us to unify the planet under a global, friendly alien landing uh, to help us organize ourselves and get through the nuclear age without uh, destroying ourselves and the planet. So this is what this meant to me. is what it, We're starting to get mainstream support of SETI uh, using the, the world's biggest telescope to do all this. Uh, times are a-changing. You know, I happened to read an article, and I, I don't know where I saw it. Um, I was just looking for it as you were speaking, where certain scientists believe that aliens walk among us. Did you happen to see that by any chance? Uh, certain aliens are, are, aliens are here, and we just we don't recognize them. I'm uh, yeah, I think that it. was in some history channel. They might have been, uh, what, uh, ancient aliens or something like that, I think. Yeah. I may have had something like that. But I, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. The the way it was laid out, I guess, or presented to me, seemed like a little bit, um, like you were saying, kind of like a soft disclosure kind of thing. I don't know. I just, uh, what am I saying? Because I can't find it. I don't know. But all right. Yeah, that dish is big. I mean, it's like uh, three hundred meters, which would be uh, maybe a thousand feet, eleven hundred feet, something like that across. That's that's a big dish, which allows them to pick up these long wavelengths from way out there. Uh, and, and wasn't there, wasn't there something picked up that, like a, a a certain signal that that suggested it was not from? I mean, it was yeah. It was a pulsing thing uh, yeah. every 16 hours or something, I forget. But, uh, yeah, it was a regular pulsing signal, which they could not decide whether that's a, a function of a pulsar, you know, or a magnetar spinning star or whatever. But it's, uh, it seemed so regular, and then it would be quiet for a time and then come back, that they thought it was an attempt by an alien race to uh, contact us. And, you know, okay, it might be, but uh, it's all part of the game that I've been warning people about, the great deception in my opinion, and Agreed. that it will, it will, it will deceive the entire planet. It's not an American thing or a German thing or whatever. The entire planet has to be fooled by this deception uh, that the Bible says will come. And uh, wow. to me, that has to be something not religious, not economic. It is something off the planet that forces the people of Earth, no matter what religion, you know, what uh, philosophy or government type, to bond together to meet this. You know, our, our creators is what they're going to call it, but it'll be a, a, a fabrication to start with. So, yeah. Well, Stan, my my friend, you've brought us to the close of another program, another hour. Uh, it was an interesting hour. It covered a lot of a lot of topics. Plus, I got to smell the the, the wonderful uh, uh, cooking of Holly Dale. The cookies i'm gonna be over. guess where i'm going when we sign off guess where i'm going uh, yeah yeah i'm telling you i'm just gonna i'm gonna walk uh too bad we're not neighbors i'll walk next door and have a cookie uh but you'd be welcome uh, you know uh, holly great job holly and uh thank you stan i appreciate all you do lord bless you now all right all right folks that'll do it for me 
It's, uh, thanks, Dan Dale. My goodness. Isn't that great? Isn't he great? He's always great. And don't forget, support him on Patreon. Oh, and don't forget, EMP Shield. EMPShield.com slash Hagman. Use Hagman as the promo code, EMP Shield. You want to talk about a necessary thing? EMP Shield. EMPShield.com slash Hagman. Hagman promo code. Folks, that'll do it. Have a great night. God bless. And until tomorrow, stay safe. Hang in there. Pray. Watch. Spread this program among your friends, your family, your enemies, your co-workers, your bankers, your attorneys. Agmanstore.com for coffee. God bless.